Oh, yeah. Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. The world's just changed so radically and we're all running to catch up. How can we possibly have the slightest idea of what to expect? The best intentions. Some of the worst things imaginable have been done with the best intentions. Dr. Malcolm, I have to share a few campfire stories with my uncle. You can convince the Washington Post and the skeptical inquirer of whatever you want. But I was there, I know what happened, and so do you. I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. Our scientists have done things which nobody's ever done before. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think if they should. Hello, welcome to a very late issue of Jurassic Minutes uh, for January, where we discuss movie, toy, and franchise news for the Jurassic series. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And on this episode, we're mainly going to talk uh, Camp Cretaceous Season 2, but there's some uh, toy reveals and that coming out as well um, from uh, Jurassic Collect. But before we get to that, David, how has the spending been going? Um, <laughs> I know, I haven't really spent a lot uh, on anything over the last couple of months, uh, apart from a eBay spree I went on the other night and uh, purchased some <laughs> from Fandango uh, magazines and a Rolling Stone magazine featuring Jurassic Park. Well, I have thank- thankfully uh, gotten my taxes out of the way early. Oh, nice. So I I got a good news about my tax return that was actually submitted the other day. So I'm going to be getting a good return this year. So I kind of felt the need to kind of Splurge a little bit. I went off and I got the um, Lost World and Jurassic Park 3 Film Arena box sets. There were there were Blu-ray Steelbook sets that were released in um, 2017. I think we actually discussed them back then. Uh, it sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. Especially once you start posting photos up about it on the socials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So those were really exciting to get because they came with like the set of lobby cards for each movie that were these HD behind the scene uh, that behind the scene stills and then they came with like a little booklet with more HD behind the scene stills and production photos and promotional photos and they had character cards in them and a magnetic uh, what would you call it like a holographic um, like movie cover, kind of like what the um, the Lost World holographic card for the VHS was like, but Lip- it was magnetic, so it stuck to the steelbook. Liptical? Is that what they call it? Liptic- okay. uh, something like that. I, yeah, I can't remember what it's called. The Lost World one changes be- between the T-Rex, the Brachiosaurus, and the Velociraptor, and then the Jurassic Park 3 one changes between the classic uh, scratch steel look and the rocky lava look. Nice. The only kind of disappointment I'm, I'm, I have with those um, holographic things are that they use the Jurassic World silhouettes, which, I mean, it's universal. They probably cheaped out. They got cheap on a Stadson. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just handed the project to someone and, yeah, he put this together for yeah. us. Um, I did. Re- you, I know a couple of the uh, images. I was the uh, Ian Malcolm and Richard Schiff uh, <laughs> using using different character names there. Um, the cards that had the same sort of redwood background, uh, the jungle background. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah. So the Lost World ones, they had um, like production 
the normal production photo stills that they had for the characters that we see in like the behind the scenes book, but photoshopped onto Redwood backgrounds. And then Jurassic Park three had the same, but with um, a like classic jungle background. Mm. Yeah, it'll uh, it'll lend itself to uh, a later story we're going to talk about with something coming mm-hmm. with uh, some production photos. But uh, some of the photos you did show on those cards were only photos we had sort of not the best quality images for and now we've got hd versions um, exactly it has yeah. me has me very excited for something we're going to talk about in a little bit longer a little bit down the line and then the other thing i got was a lost world uh mouse pad i don't remember if we talked if i had this when we last recorded i don't think i think i did but it's basically the t-rex maquette on a black background with i will survive in the bright <laughs> kind of pinkish lettering and the uh and the lost world logo on the top so but it's a really really great shot of the maquette which i really so i really wanted that in my collection <laughs> thank you the lost world marketing <laughs> <laughs> i've been uh, i've been taking some photos of the um the collector cards and just post them up on the twitter account <laughs> the, that and the uh, the triceratops i can't remember what it is but just the weird uh the weird little taglines they got with them as well mm-hmm yeah, it's fantastic. Compy's been presumed to be scavengers like jackals. Gives me the creeps. It's like it's not scared. There haven't been any visitors to this island. There's no reason for it to fear man. No, it does. I suppose we should uh, address too the fact that we have been quiet for uh, a good few weeks. We. Uh, had shows post up over the Christmas break, and we just wanted to take a couple of weeks off to uh, refresh, re-energize, and uh, get ready to uh, discuss the second half of Jurassic World. But uh, we haven't really been uh, sitting around on our hands over that break. Um, we've been working with a 3D modeler. I didn't even realize that both of us had been talking to the same guy <laughs> until uh, later, and I'm, I'm glad we um, didn't really have any... Uh, uh, butting of heads with our thoughts on um, some different things, but uh, 3D Model has been working on the uh, Site B Worker Village and the Operations Building. Yeah, interestingly enough, uh, what we were telling this guy seemed to line up basically exactly with each other. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, we did. Good. There was one occurrence at the, towards the very end that um, it seemed that we were, and then. I was just looking at the sliders video again and realised I was looking at the completely wrong section of the operations building, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I really need to uh, look at those videos a little bit closer because um, there's a couple of things even on my floor plan that I've done that need to be changed because I was a little bit off. So that's all right. I can admit uh, when I'm wrong. And um, I can't wait until we share with the world what we're, what we're working on because uh, it's going to mm-hmm. be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been watching the progress as it comes together, and I'm like, this is my childhood coming together in a 3D model. Mm. And it's like amazing to see. Yep, agreed. And just the uh, as I've been talking to him, just the ramifications for it, not just having a 3D model, but being able to use that model to then go into Lego um, wood and like make a miniature, <laughs> a proper miniature mm. or something of the building as well. So. Yeah, yep, cannot well, wait. My understanding is that he's actually going to make a 3D print miniature of the model. Yeah, I, I, I suppose that doesn't wait in, in saying that. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, because it's a, it's a HO scale 3D print um, of it, which can be scaled up or scaled down. But yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be good. Mm. But uh, until, until we're ready to announce that, uh, 
and uh, talk about new things we get next uh, next minutes. Um, David, how about we get into some news? All right. Move where? Our boat, their airlift, they're both waiting for an order we have no way to send. All right, all right. There's a communications center here at the, near the old operations building. Hammond ran everything on geothermal power. It was never meant to need replenishing. If we can get here, we can send a radio call to the airlift. All right. Uh, something I wasn't expecting to come <laughs> either uh, this past month and something that we're definitely going to revisit again in February as well when we get some links and that. But uh, we prayed, we imagined, we thought that it would never happen. But uh, the opportunity to get our hands on the 35mm uh, open mat versions of The Lost World and Jurassic Park 3 have become a supposed reality. Mm-hmm. Someone on the socials has come forward with... Uh, they know someone that's got a copy of the uh, the films on that 35mm print and... Um, they haven't started posting links yet, but they are looking for fan support uh, to cover costs to get it all transferred to digital and out there for the fans. Yeah, that is very exciting. Like you said, we've prayed, we've hoped, and it looks like our prayers have been answered because, the, I mean, he shared with both of us the first couple minutes that had been made available to him, and it looks very promising. It's a lot like the um, Jurassic Park uh, open mat copy that we've talked plenty about where mm-hmm. it's got the digital shots anything with like digital in them is in the theatrical aspect ratio whereas anything with just pure practical shots in them are only are in the full open mat yeah yeah it is a it is a shame whether i don't know being misinformed or whatever they decide to start with Jurassic park free i the, uh, the person that contacted us was um, urging him to maybe do the Lost World instead because there'd be more more people uh, wanting or willing to help support the Lost World over Jurassic Park 3. But as I said to him, I said having the ability to have both films um, in that version would be fantastic. I recall him telling us that the per relaying, I should say, that the person was actually surprised that the sequels would get that much attention. Yeah. And, and I've been, of course, I've been joking. Like, I'm going to, I'll throw, I'll fund the entire thing. I can write all kinds of numbers on these checks. <laughs> yeah, that's why I post up straight away. He's, I can commit this much to it just to see it done because I really want to see it done and have a copy. And it makes me wonder how many other people are out there sitting on version, those versions of the film thinking, yeah, there's no, no one likes the rest of the films in the, in the franchise. It's just Jurassic Park. Because even, even now there's been some people coming forward saying either have the 35mm or can do the 35mm. I think it might be the same person, but um, it's already been done. You missed the boat <laughs> missed the boat on that one. I just think it's funny because, I mean, it uh, this guy's asking for like a very small loan. It's only a couple hundred dollars for some better equipment to scan the, the actual 35mm film strips themselves. And it's it's like... As soon as he announces this, everybody, every Jurassic Park fan within a 250,000-mile radius is <laughs> wanting to throw cash at this guy. He's yeah. like, wait, 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 I'm not even putting up a link yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's the thing. As long as um, if there's enough support out there for it and the funds can be made, if it is more than what he's asking for, then maybe just, just to make sure that it's done correctly and we get a good, good quality product at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's the other thing. I mean, like, I'll throw in five hundred dollars to to get the good the good equipment right now. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> yep. And this is this is be highly specif- uh, 
specific equipment too that only sort of used. It's not like uh, buying a, a a projector with a couple of AV leads or HDMI lead leaving from that to a computer to record. It's 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 running that film through some sort of capture process and scanning it digitally. Mm-hmm. Anyone that's uh, following the um, I can't recall the name of the Facebook pages now that are actually doing shot by shot, frame by frame of the Lost World and the other, or the, other the original trilogy. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Every <laughs> Jurassic Park uh, frame in order, I think. <laughs> and it uh, is literally every single Jurassic Park frame in order. Yeah, I, I checked in the other day. I think though it was um, just before Eddie was given the spiel on the Landstrat air rifle, and I think it was up to five thousand frames. It just that far into the Lost World, so. You, you can't take a... If you want to follow that, you can't just take a break. Like, yeah, like after, like, a couple of days or else, you're just going to be lost. You're going to be like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, head over, check out those, um, what they're doing as well. But uh, we hopefully should talk more about this uh, on the next minutes when we have a link up to GoFundMe, whatever the... Uh, whatever, however they're going to organise... Uh, first fans to throw our money at this guy. <laughs> oh god, something went wrong. Something's happened. Something's wrong. It is just a delay. That's all it is. All major theme parks had delays. When they opened Disneyland in 1956, nothing worked. Yeah, nothing. but John, if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. I can't wait anymore. Something went wrong. Coming up next, uh, I think this is a slip-up, even though um, it doesn't really say it much here, but Sam Neill was interviewed on the Daily Mail uh, towards the end of January, and um, let slip that uh, Dominion was going to be released next year in May, which is a month earlier than what we thought it'd be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that a lot of fans are expecting a June release. In fact, I think even even some of the um, the posters and stuff said June twenty twenty two, which would uh, I think was at the time the official expected release. But I guess at May may now be the release. Uh, moving it up a, a month. I mean, if they're ready to do that, I see no problem with it. The Lost World was release in may and i had no problem with that so yeah. i mean it's not like june is the strict kind of street date you know for the Jurassic franchise it, it the precedent has and can be broken hmm. yeah well the only real news we had was that it had been delayed a year and it was due for june this year and pushed back a year so obviously we'll think in june 2022 but uh if they want to come come out further, he jokes in the interview. He's hoping that uh, that cinemas will be around, uh, or there'll be enough people and cinemas open to see it. So that's the other the other thing we've got to look at here too. Yes, it's all fair and good, it being in the can, ready to go. But uh, we've just gone into another five day snap lockdown here, which has completely screwed up my week again. Um, <laughs> to get on top of these little outbreaks here and there, and uh, going to theaters is definitely not one thing that. Uh, a lot of people expecting to do anytime soon. Oh, yeah, that's the other thing, which I can imagine that... I mean, like, if they plan to release it at this point, I'm imagining they're going to be releasing it concurrently with streaming services, and then you just pay uh, for, like, 30 bucks or whatever, like what Disney's doing, where they're releasing... Uh, I think it's... 
Raya and the Last Dragon or something like that is their next upcoming movie they're going to be releasing on their streaming service instead of just sending it uh, into theaters. Mm. But so it's, it's starting to get that backlog too because you've got Fast and the Furious. It's now two years, <laughs> two years behind being released. You've got the the Minions prequel film, animated film that's been delayed as well. Both mm-hmm. Universal properties and both were due out well before Dominion. So I don't I don't see how just sitting. They're never going to be able to get these big multi-billion-dollar box office numbers again when uh, mm. no one's going to the cinemas and that. And I don't, I don't know how you can make your money back on on streaming. And even worse yet is that theaters weren't doing very well before the pandemic and before all these lockdowns. Mm. Uh, they were kind of just barely making even at at the point. I think that once. Uh, the whole COVID thing is over. Theaters are going to see an influx of patronage, but then it's going to level off back to the pre-pandemic numbers, which is not good for theaters, frankly. No, no. No, especially... Because, yeah, they were already going downhill before all this. Yeah. Yeah, especially if uh, some like uh, Warner Brothers and that releasing all the stuff on... Uh, mm-hmm. HBO Max, I think it is, same day or yeah. whatever it is. So, yeah, I just saw the. I was just watching the trailer for the Zack Snyder cut that was released <laughs> today. I just seen the news before about that. I gotta go have a look. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so that's coming in March. I think uh, Godzilla vs King Kong is coming in March. Yeah, and I got HBO Max specifically for all these releases. So I mean, it's not like. Is not like uh, Warner Brothers isn't making their money back by doing this, mm. you know? Yeah, they'd have internally they'd have internal records about how much all this is doing between them and Disney Plus and that. Whether mm. the uh, whether the thirty dollar rental, I don't think. Oh, you might have purchased it when Mulan came out, thirty dollars to watch that um, instead of seeing yeah. it in the cinema and that as well. Mm. Yep. The future is rocky. <laughs> yeah. Because I think it's Dominion. It's it's a film you'd want to see in the theaters. but Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've seen every move, every Jurassic Park movie since The Lost World in theaters. Yep, or, or, I'm sorry, uh, since Jurassic Park 3 in theaters. Yep. So. Yep. We'll just have to wait and see what the uh, what happens in the world with, with, with the, uh, well, it's not a cure, with the uh, vaccine and everything else. If we split up, I'm going with you guys. In the meantime, though, moving on to our next story, we can keep spending and buying Mattel's goodness because they've uh, posted up some uh, some photos or some information on their 2021 Amber Collection line featuring a Trinidon, Ray Arnold, and a Raptor that we, uh, mm-hmm. we've been waiting for as well. Yeah, they, re- they officially released pictures of Charlie, or not Charlie, uh, the quote-unquote Tiger Raptor, which I think is now actually up for pre-order. I think that comes out in March as well. And I'm going to admit I'm not happy with it. <laughs> I'm disappointed. Hmm. It looks literally like a Tiger Raptor, but there's some paint screw-ups with it. And I'm not sure if it's that specific model that they're choosing for some reason to use or if that's going to be the actual final product on shelves. But they have, like, paint, black paint splatter all over the eyes, so the eyes are kind of like this 
dirty greenish yellow look instead of the bright yellow look and the paint is kind of vibrant the snout looks like it's missing some of the orange to it and it's i'm gonna admit i thought that echo somehow is making a better lost world raptor than the official lost world raptor (laughs) they're supposed to be coming out with yeah we mentioned a couple of months ago when that echo was revealed and uh it was we said it was going to be the standing until they'd done something like this mm-hmm. i mean yeah but you're right like the no. the way it sort of gets so light under the tail and under the bottom jaw and that and just a big splotch of brown around the eye and as you said they've obviously over missprayed or oversprayed it into the eye as well instead of having that nice big bright eye it's it is a shame plus i wonder what what um if this is just another blue repainted blue or if they've done anything special to oh, the mold it is it's all these have all been um what they what they're called i guess is they're called like repolygizing or something like that it, it's, it's got a weird name but what they do is they take the ilm file which is a scan and it's the like the pre-clean file from when they make blue but they make they take that that digital scan they made clean it up but the scan itself is from a jurassic park one raptor which is itself not the final design that we see on screen Mm. so it kind of becomes this weird kind of amalgamation of the jurassic park one raptor and the jurassic world raptor design and that's kind of how they're able to get away with both looking halfway decent yeah, one thing I've noticed though the uh, the hands. It might be just because they're all the one orange color and there's no paint detail apart from the black claws, but they remind me a lot of the uh, the electronic screeching raptor from Jurassic Park that Kenner did. Mm, yeah, but I suppose it's just the same color, so it's not really much of a uh, much of a thing. But uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a shame. Um, customizers would go to work on this. We've seen what they've done with Echo and. I might uh, end up doing the same, but... um... When I first got Echo, I was really able to kind of easily transform that into a Lost World Raptor with, like, two black lines over the snout. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm kind of anxious to get out there and take photos of, uh, like, the the raptors out under when uh, there's not two feet of snow on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a match with uh, what we've seen with Dominion. (laughs) (laughs) that's true yes i've actually saw a i can't remember if we put this up in the news but while we're on the subject of raptor toys there was i think released today a um a advertisement from kinder surprise also called kinder joy they're a italian chocolate company that uh sells like little toys in hollowed out chocolate and they're kind of similar to the wonder ball here in the states but instead of, like, additional little candies inside the chocolate, you actually have an actual prize. Apparently, they couldn't be sold in the stage because American kids are too stupid to not eat the toy inside. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, um, they will be having little Jurassic Park figures. And I think they eventually actually did start selling them inside in the United States. I can't remember if I've – but I think I have seen them on, like, shelves and stuff. But they'll have Jurassic Park. Uh, like uh, I think the Stegosaurus, the Mosasaurus, T-Rex, Apatosaurus, Raptor, or Blue, I should say. She's the only Raptor left. But yeah, they got all those. 
but the advertisement, the header image on the top of it was blue against a snowy forest background, mm. which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it might be a little bit foreshadowing there. Mm-hmm. One thing I wasn't expecting, uh, this is Jurassic Park Free Trinidad coming. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is, and it actually looks really good. I'm excited for it. It's got some really nice paint detail. It's got that, that sort of red colour on the um, behind the eye socket and on the beak. It does look fantastic. Yeah. I, need, I need free of a troop build. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's definitely got... It definitely reminds me a lot of the Jurassic Park 3 figure itself, which I believe the paint, uh, the paint apps were based on the um, maquette for. So, yeah, I'm, it's hit me in the nostalgia, and I definitely think I'll be picking that one up. Mm. And the one shot here with a measuring tape in the background, you can see the... Um, the Jurassic World Trinodon and the Domophodon on the ground underneath, and it's a lot wider, uh, 44 centimetres here in, in my scale. Uh, 10, 11, no, 12 inches is 30. Uh, over over 12 inches anyway, wide. So It, look, it looks like it'd come out to be a, a little more than 17 inches, so it'd be about the same size as the Alpha Pteranodon from the Jurassic Park 3 line. Mm. No talk of accessories or anything to come with it. I would have loved a uh, Eric Kirby to go with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but now, I mean, you're packaging two figures in one box. That's going to send the... That would send the price up. Yeah, true, true. But uh, they are giving us some more human figures. Apparently, uh, they're not so more important one, or maybe it is that there's going to be a version 2 of Ian Malcolm. Uh, obviously, Pretty much, it's going to be a new head sculpt, whether it's the Lost World sexy <laughs> Lost World version uh, or the Fallen Kingdom version with him all bearded up. I'd say it's probably going to be the Jurassic World version all bearded up, but I wouldn't mind having a Lost World version of Ian Malcolm. I've heard Lost World version, but again, the rumor mill has been wrong for me before, so I'm not going to promise Lost World version. I can only say that I'd love a Lost World version. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one I wasn't expecting at all uh, Ray Arnold mm-hmm. Sam Jackson <laughs> Sam mother loving Jackson himself is going to be immortalised in a toy because I don't think there was a Ray Arnold figure originally was there? no there was no. not no so but I do know that um, Collect Jurassic also revealed some other ones in silhouette that um, I think including a T-Rex, which he claims it's a placement, uh, it's a placement silhouette, but at, but I heard it's supposed to be a T-Rex that's quote-unquote mid-size, so I don't know if that's like meaning mid-size scale, or if it's going to just be the baby T-Rex itself, you know? Mm. Well, there's a second uh, link here to uh, Mattel's 2021 Capture Gear T-Rex and more. There are links and photos here too of the new attack pack with the, that's got the baby Brachiosaurus in it. Um, mm-hmm. And the new Dogmorphodon. And the uh, the Soundstrike, which has got a couple new uh, coloured Baryonics, the new Ankylosaurus, um, the better-looking Ceratosaurus with more of that red colour on top, and the new Allosaurus as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Allosaurus is looking really nice. I mm. can't remember, are these spikes... On the, on the back of it, new or no? 
I thought that was on the original figure. Yeah, that's probably yeah, it's, it's probably just a repaint, repaint yeah. of it. The the Baryonyx look a lot like the uh, the Fallen Kingdom one as well. But yeah, the capture gear T Rex is looking beautiful. I've seen uh, some of the in hand photos posting being posted around. It is the absolute best paint <laughs> scheme we've ever got on a T Rex figure. And capture gear. I mean, I know that's something that a lot of fans have been wanting from Mattel. So Mattel has heard you fans, and they are bringing in capture gear. Mm. And it's it's just something simple. It's just the uh, the restraint over the head, and it sits mm. against the neck. Um, I, I wonder if we should just stop buying T Rexes and wait five to six years, and then just pick the best one because each year we keep we keep on getting a new one, and it keeps on being better than what came before. And I. I know Jay's probably got room for an army of Trinosaurs, but I don't. <laughs> I don't either, but I'm going to keep buying them. <laughs> <laughs> it does look fantastic. It does. And the um, we got the massive biter, or the Mega Destroyer uh, Stegosaur as well, which is a, a new coloured version of that, uh, that original Stegosaur, it looks like, on the model. But I never got that figure, so... I hope at least this one gets over here on stores, on store shelves, so I don't have to go near Evil Bay to pay twice as much for it. Uh, anything else on Mattel's new stuff? Where February is normally Toy Fair, even though it's been cancelled um, over in America, but uh, I'm sure there's going to be some online or more online reveals uh, during the month that we can report on at the end, next Jurassic Minutes, uh, maybe a first look at that new Malcolm and Ray Arnold figure. There is the um, there is the extreme damage Tyrannosaurus Rex coming, a uh, a retooling of the of the classic Epic Roaring figure, but it's going to have like some giant kind of gash marks on the side where you can they I guess you press a button on the hip of the figure and the regular skin tone flips back to reveal like a uh, scarred up kind of blood tones uh, on the scratch underneath the scratches that would explain the um oh yes yeah because that's uh, the third uh, article here from collect Jurassic 2 the uh, the video preview from the extreme damaged t-rex yeah we've talked numerous times about what they did with Jurassic Park 3 and just having that the, <laughs> the dino damage on it and not being able to hide it and um, and then like it wasn't until Fallen Kingdom when they had the the little tab on there you could switch between the damage and the the exposed or put the skin back over it. There was the um, they did try to do those kind of those classic pull up tabs like we had on the Kenner figures with um that very very limited line that we got in. Um, or what was it, 2013, I think, with yeah. the release of Jurassic Park 3D. Sounds right. And then they had the Allosaurus and the... Um, they had the Allosaurus... Oh, Allosaurus and the Pachyrhinosaurus. And then they were going to come out with a Carnotaurus and Stegoceratops... I'm, I'm sorry, Stegosaurus <laughs> as well, but those got cancelled, unfortunately, because these figures were absolutely beautiful. They were sculpted beautifully. I think, actually, the sculptor ended up working with the Beast of the Mesozoic lines with David Silva and his and his company. Ah, nice. This looks like the um the it must be the fresh and fro model. I can't remember which one's got the collar around its neck. This one is just on the video preview anyway, but 
Uh, it's the uh, epic warrior figure, the one where you press down on the back of the neck and the mouth uh, opened up. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. They were they used that one a lot with the legacy line figures. Yep, yep. And yet again, another paint job, <laughs> sort of aping for that Red Rex version. Uh, yeah, it is. I I noticed it almost kind of reminds me a lot of the Junior Rex from hmm. the JP from the Jurassic Park toy line. Yep. Yeah, it's still sort of got those uh, tiger straps on the back, but they're a lot more a lot more subdued, not as um, prominent. Mm-hmm. And plus, again, the uh, the big dark sections around the eyes and the top of the nose there so well we know that Mattel has definitely gone for the nostalgia gauntlet before especially with some of their recent releases they had the uh, bright brilliantly colorful Gallimimus figure that was heavily based on the original Jurassic Park toy line Gallimimus and then they also came out with the Troden figure that looks heavily based on the um, Jurassic Park the game animal. <laughs> yep. This is going to be a, a, a tangent and a half. Uh, thank you, Disney. They've uh, recently, Disney Plus recently put up all four seasons of uh, Dinosaur, the, the Jim Henson um, <laughs> live action sitcom, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, from uh, 90, <laughs> the early 90s. And every time I see... Um, Oh, not Eric, I can't remember his name now, the father. I just think of that Lost World T-Rex maquette. <laughs> and if, if someone's got some um, some uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook, some Photoshop things, just put that those scars on the front of his nose because <laughs> he's got a lot of that sort of that light green that goes down to the yellows on his neck as well on that on that character. I just Every time I see it, I think the Lost World. <laughs> you're dead. You're crazy son of a bitch, you're dead. All right, up next, uh, Beast Kingdom has posted over on Twitter a pre-order for uh, a set of Jurassic Gates. What would you call this? Just a small display, a display piece with uh, the Jurassic Park Gates um, light up. I'm pretty sure the torches light up on it. Uh, I tr- think they look like they do. Yeah, the Trenosaur in the middle in the epic roar pose. Uh, I think that's supposed to be a tour vehicle under a foot, but it looks like it's got uh, Bobcat or Earth Movie Equipment tyres on it. And uh, around the back, we've got a goat on the reverse side of it as well. So just them... Uh, oh, yeah, light-up function, yep. They're um, a little Jurassic Park uh, statue. Diorama, I guess. Yeah. That's what you, that's what you got written in the notes here. Yeah. It's pretty accurate. Yep. Pre-order dates. Pre-orders went up in uh, January uh, till March. Uh, they've got details here where to buy I'm just going to click on more details and see if it actually says how big it is and all that sort of stuff and that's just going to take me to their Facebook page Iron Man Spider-Man Iron Man I probably should have done this earlier Batman (laughs) (laughs) where's the T-Rex man oh no there's Elsa rightio approximate height 15 to 16 centimetres high release date uh, second quarter of this year uh that's all it wants to tell me. Light up, light up flame effects on the gates, uh, faithfully restoring the scenes in the movie. I don't remember the T-Rex being at the gates. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've got a global distributor, so that's all right. That means it should be easy to get. I'll have a look at it over the uh, the coming weeks and um, and report back on the next minutes. Yeah. Years. 
During most of your tour, the appropriate information will be automatically selected and displayed for you. Hey, look! Simply touch the area of the screen displaying the appropriate icon. Are we gonna hit that? Welcome to Jurassic Park. What do they got in there, King Kong? Coming up next, uh, Jada Toys have uh, given us a little glimpse of hope of <laughs> maybe a bigger explorer with a new uh, Jurassic set for their Nano line. Um, I've seen the, the Batman Nano and the Back to the Future Nano sets in my local toy store. Uh, pretty pretty basic micro-machine size uh, vehicles, but uh, for the Jurassic line we're getting, of course, Jeep 18, uh, Explorer 04, and the corporate helicopter that we see at the start or see in Jurassic Park and that one seen in mm-hmm. The Lost World. So these are kind of odd because, <laughs> as far as I know, Mattel owns Matchbox, who has been doing... Or no, wait, Hot Wheels? Wait, which, one, which one do they own? Uh, Mattel have Hot Wheels because they do all the, uh, the DC... That's why you have Aquaman. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's why you have Aquaman. Yeah, so they, yeah, they've got Mattel has Hot Wheels and has been doing very well with the their line of Hot Wheel vehicles for Just Park. So I'm not sure why Jada is even bothering. <laughs> well, I will say that Explorer looks better than the one we got from Matchbox uh, from Hot Wheels, but. It gives me hope that they've got the license from Ford, and we're going to see a bigger version because I've got the the larger scale uh, DeLoreans and that from Jada Toys, and they're fantastic in that scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I have their um, their uh, rusty Jeep from when they got the Fallen Kingdom mm-hmm. line, and I actually really enjoy it. I actually, almost like it better than the um, actual Mattel one. <laughs> oh, yeah upset that never got here but um a lot of the new stuff a lot of transformers that are coming here as well so hopefully they might do a reissue of that down the line but yeah but, um interesting they've got the, the the explorer looks correct logos and everything on it yet they've got the red background one for the jeep where it should be the yellow as well on the doors yeah but uh a free pack i think it costs about nine dollars i don't know if that's us or or what currency that's for. That's about what the uh, the other sets cost here, but at least some sort of new vehicles to come, and these nice and small, they can sit on your desk <laughs> if you're still working at work or uh, mm. or fit in nicely around your display at home, not taking up a lot of space. I read both of your books. I like the first one more, before you're on the island. You liked dinosaurs back then. Well, back then they hadn't tried to eat me yet. And lastly, uh, we alluded to it earlier, uh, we'd been talking last year, there'd been rumours of some sort of tabletop book coming for Jurassic Park or the Jurassic franchise, and uh, on the 1st of Feb, it became reality, with uh, photos coming up of uh, a cover for a book that's not not yet uh, confirmed to be the original, the, the initial uh, release cover for the book, but a Jurassic Park uh, Ultimate Visual History, um, due out in October. Yeah, so this, from what I've been finding out from people, will not be similar to the visual dictionaries 
that DK puts out for Star Wars. This will be more like, I think, those archival books that Lucasfilm periodically releases where it's going to have, like, a ton of photos and anecdotes and stuff like that and just general, like, pictures of um, concept art and um, production notes and schematics and pretty much anything from the Universal Archives that Universal can dig up and put into this book. I think it's going to be similar to that where, like, you'll have actual photos from the archives of Universal along with anecdotes and explanations and stuff like mm. that. Yeah, I'll just read this uh, little blurb here. What they said is, The most comprehensive book about the Jurassic Park trilogy to date, Jurassic Park, The Ultimate Visual History, begins with an in-depth uh, account of the making of Steven Spielberg's original film. So we guessed that the majority of it would probably be on Jurassic Park <laughs> and not the sequels, but uh, including rare and never seen uh, before... Uh, Never seen before, uh, behind-the-scene imagery and exclusive interviews with key creatives. Uh, readers will then unearth the full history of the trilogy from The Lost World to Jurassic Park 3 through unprecedented access to uh, the creative process behind the films. Fans will, also, fans will also find a fascinating look at the wider world of the saga, including video games, toys, comics and more, exploring a lasting legacy of the movies and their influence on pop culture. So it's not just going to be on the films. I don't think it says how many pages... It's going to be, but it's um, it's going to cover a lot of the original trilogy. From the photo here, it looks like it's going to be fairly <laughs> yes. thick, maybe kind of along the lines of the Winston Effect mm -hmm. uh, book. Yep, yep. It's uh, currently up for pre-order on Amazon. I'd <laughs> I'd really love if they could show us some uh, some just uh, tease some pages on the inside. I do know that. And I know, but I do hope that there will be more for kind of Jurassic Park 3, just because generally that one has been neglected in, as far as special features and behind the scenes go. So, I mean, I know The Lost World has been more than... And as a, and I'm even saying this as a fan of The Lost World. I hope that they can throw anything that they can at everything that they can at us. But still, I hope that we get more from... Jurassic Park 3 than what we've had in the past because that's kind of been the black sheep of the trilogy where it gets kicked around a little bit and nobody really wants to kind of acknowledge that it had a troubled um, like a troubled production or the fact that there's not really a much um, production material available on the market for it in every release, it always gets the least amount of behind-the-scenes featurettes. It's always got the least amount of production photos. And we know it's out there. I mean, we've seen the photos of what's out there. It's just... it, it It's going to take Universal to actually buck up and acknowledge that there's more to it than than what the official story is, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah that's, that's the thing. At least for Jurassic Park and The Lost World, we got the making of books that dived a lot deeper, uh, showed us a lot more things in production in that four to two films. There's still the uh, the little mysteries between the two that we'd love to get answers for, and the way some stuff's released, hey, we might get those answers in the future. But yeah, for Jurassic Park 3, there's a lot of stuff there. The debate's only just started, sparked up again about the whole Site C stuff with marketing for Jurassic Park 3, what that would have entailed, what it possibly could have 
been mm-hmm. uh, the another island was New Blast Sightsee after San Diego was put on well, postponed, all that sort of stuff, and and of course whether or not the Spinosaurus <laughs> back. <laughs> oh, I mean, it does say here as a, as a little blurb at the uh, end of the outlined that it's going to be the last world on the most epic saga in movie history, the definitive behind-the-scenes book that fans have been waiting for, which is entirely true. Fans have been waiting for this for years. I mean, I know so many fans who have wanted this comprehensive behind-the-scenes book. It's kind of a... not exactly an art book, which I hear rumor might be something separate from what this will be, that the Jurassic World outbook will be uh separate from this uh book itself but it's that kind of quote-unquote visual dictionary that fans have always wanted i've even drawn up uh like fan art of what a possible visual dictionary by dk would look like this won't be by dk it's going to be by the people who did the ghostbusters visual history so it's going to be very comprehensive very in-depth and then I'm very much looking mm-hmm. forward to it. Have you pre-ordered it yet? Uh, I have not. It's, I have it on my Amazon watch list, but I was going to wait well, for uh, to like October because it doesn't come out till like end of October, according to yeah. Amazon. It's like October 26th or something. So I was going to wait for like October to pre-order it. Yeah, I do like that they've mentioned that it is something fans have been waiting for. Hopefully, it's uh, aimed mm-hmm. more at fans and a lot less repeaty stuff. If, if you do have those original making of books, they don't retread ground. <laughs> yeah, there. Because like I joked at one stage, I'll probably just copy that and put in a new book <laughs> and um, add a couple more things, a couple of new things to it or something. But I don't even know what uh, what what would be the one thing you'd hope would be in there that we haven't seen already. Just to just to uh, throw you under the bus. Well, we know that Universal in the past couple of years have kind of been rifling through their archives, and I'm starting to think that this may have been what it was for. We know during the 25th anniversary they were showing things off, like the original Cryo Can they were able to find in their archives, the original Jurassic Park one dig site uh, Raptor prop, they were able, the skeleton itself they were able to recover they were able to recover like a bunch of blueprints and schematics from for buildings that had been designed for the trilogy so i'm very very much expecting to see a lot of that stuff in here and actually last week i contacted todd marks to see if he might actually have some of the um uh, or if he might have the trailer the dinosaur screensaver trailer uh thing playthrough that was in the trailer for the lost world and he said that they uh, he didn't have it on him that marksman or not marksman that the um that is at man consulting and they've been it's buried up in their archive somewhere and they've not been able to find it yet but the fact that they're looking for it actually tells me that perhaps i'm not the only one interested in seeing it that Perhaps Universal would be interest has had interest in recovering this material for us. I got to breathe again. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. It's somewhere. It's... Oh man! 
if that stuff, yeah, if they archived that stuff and didn't just delete it, because there's a lot of that, uh, a lot of that on the screen imagery from the Lost World, particularly just that, just yeah, just the cycling through the different uh, animals with the stats on the the trailers, um, all the stuff on the the communications computers when Nick gets there and calls for help, all the engine data there. Yeah, I mean. Which makes me wonder who else or where else Universal has been digging around with. Because, I mean, like, for example, with Todd Marks, he has a lot of his old work just stored in archives on floppy disks in, like, a file cabinet someplace. But, I mean, there's just so much material out there that the artist might have, the artist might not have. I know that a couple months ago, I think sometime last year, it was uh, not John Bell, but one of the concept artists for The Lost World released a bunch of his work on his portfolio website. Again, somebody might have asked for it, and he just went looking for it, and he decided, oh, this was pretty cool. Let me just show this up there, see if anybody picks up on it, which, of course, fans <laughs> did. It got picked up by behind the gates right away, and they, posted, they reposted it on their Facebook mm. page. But the fact that we're starting to see this random uptick in archival footage just randomly coming to light, it's kind of making me wonder now if this, if the uh, visual history has been been getting worked on for longer than we realized. Oh, this book cannot come quick enough. <laughs> oh. And I'm probably hyping it up to more than it will be. And I'm probably going to get this thing, open it up, and it'd be just like a bunch of stuff we've yeah. already seen. And I'm going to be like, damn it. <laughs> but, <laughs> we've only got ourselves to blame for that. <laughs> it's fun. To, it's still fun to speculate. Yeah. No, I can't wait. <laughs> Hello? Seriously? Uh, sorry, folks. Ride's closed. Um, everyone needs to proceed to the monorail and Come on, guys, I just work here. Now that the news is over, let's uh, have a bit of a discussion about Camp Cretaceous Season 2. Uh, before we get to that, though, there's been some uh, new information that's come to light about Season 1. Uh, the Jurassic Park podcast recently had an interview up with one of the ex- executive producers, Scott Kramer, uh, on uh, some new info and some information we hadn't known before. Uh, Mandacorp was to be uh, Camp Cretaceous' bison. Um, the Dominion script hadn't been finished yet when they were uh, making it, so they didn't want to include Bison in case uh, it was being used for Dominion, which we sort of guessed at the time, uh, but did wonder why they didn't just go with Bison in uh, in Season 1, but mm-hmm. that sort of uh, explains it for us. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could see not wanting to step on toes with future projects because, I mean, like, Biosyn has been pretty much the big... Um, the the big antagonist against InGen for all of the books. So it's mm-hmm. it makes sense that if that you could only kind of guess that it would end up being used eventually. Yeah. Plus, if you are if you are hoping to expand this world into more films and everything else, and you you, you can introduce more than just the one corporate challenger viral viral rival. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, it just makes the world seem so small. Looking at you, Star Wars, <laughs> always going back to Tatooine. <laughs> um, 
Uh, Toro isn't the Carnotaurus that we see at the end of Fallen Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom hadn't been released yet when they started filming Season 1, so they didn't have a chance to write that in to link them up. So as far as they're concerned, they're not the same animal. Uh, the explosion heard on the monorail was the other monorail, not Charlie getting hit by the rocket launcher. Leading into Season 2, Colin had told them that now they had an open rain and uh, no timelines in the film to stick to. But he also said that they had six months until the opening of Fallen Kingdom when that takes place. So we'd also we'd always speculate on that opening the Fallen Kingdom how far after the uh, the events of the evacuation that took place. We know once the that opening scene sort of goes, we're four years later. But it's sort of weird all that destruction we see in the start of that film. It's only six months since the park was evacuated. Well, I'm starting to wonder, and this may go into spoilers for the end of this, um... Oh, we're late, we're late, we're late talking about it, so spoiler warnings out the window, we're going to talk about spoilers, so we're not going to wait until the end, so go for it. Alright, so yeah, E750, it's a unknown experiment that has been literally on, put on ice by Wu. <laughs> so... It was mentioned first in season one when um, when Brooklyn is going through Wu's computer. She meant she sees something that says E750 and she audibly repeats what she's seeing on screen. But I, it looks like season three will actually see the reveal of what E750 is. And I'm wondering if the, whatever this thing is, if it fighting the T-Rex for dominance on Main Street will be the cause of some of the destruction that we see at the opening of Fallen Kingdom. Mm. Yeah, well, they, they specifically said in the interview that they um, they didn't want it to be obvious what was in that in that tank at the end. I found it weird that it was frozen and then all of a sudden it uh, fought out and we got the roar of the screech. <laughs> so whatever <laughs> it is is impervious to cryogenic freezing. <laughs> I mean, in a, in a franchise where... Uh, cloning dinosaurs is the main crux of it. I would imagine cryogenetics isn't isn't too far fetched an idea. Yeah, you know? yeah, but it does make me think about uh, Wu's dialogue in um, Jurassic World when he's talking about uh, you think we're going into some mad science here where this is showing that yeah, Masroni had every right to shut <laughs> it's you down. Like a big yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. Season 2 takes place only a day or two after the end of Season 1, so we get straight into uh, Season 2 with um, them running back from the uh, the harbour and just losing Ben. I do think fans took that, uh, that, uh, that reveal a bit literally, though, because the entire season doesn't actually take place only a day or two after the end of Season 1. No. You can actually see them making scratch marks, and the scratch marks tally up to 22 days, so it's been actually, like, 22, 23 days since the um, evacuation of Jurassic World that the majority of Season 2 takes place. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, two to three weeks. Well, three to four weeks <laughs> under that. But yeah, we do see when they're building um, Camp Kenji, it does spring up overnight seemingly, but uh, it's been a while, which also leads to later on when we see Ben and Lumpy. Um, even though we only see one night shot, I think it is over several, a few weeks as well, so... We get that um, that bonding between them, and then the the, mm-hmm. the breakup, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they wanted us to see more of Nublar, not seeing the films, which 
one of my biggest gripes about season two is where is any old park assets? <laughs> uh, we wanted to see it, but we never got to see it. I do think they do do a good job of that, though, and I do think that season two is interesting specifically because we see a lot more of the park than we even saw in season one, where it's kind of, well, we see in season one is kind of, is basically that we hadn't seen before was the, um, what was it called? The, the Jungle River. Well, we kind of, we, even that we saw a glimpse at in, in Jurassic World. Same mm. with the zip line. We could see it going on in the background there. No, I, I meant the, um, uh, well, the other thing was the genetic, the genetics research lab. Yeah. Well, they added to it here. Now we have a random vehicle garage out in the middle of no, <laughs> nowhere with uh, a World War Two bike in it, <laughs> sidecar. We'll get to it. Um, the uh, the veterinary station, which I, I did was glad to see because it sort of has that uh, that infrastructure and design of what we've seen in Fallen Kingdom with some of the barred fences and that, so we know it's Jurassic World era and not something older. Uh, one thing I did like that they mentioned they wanted to show the animals uh, as open and doing their own thing and not monsters. Yes. Putting forward the point that these animals are animals; they're not they're not just there to chase people and yeah, kill, kill, kill. Yes. I definitely picked up on that from the get-go. I love seeing Rexy just hunting out, the, out there hunting and not just randomly chasing people the whole time, you know? <laughs> I mean, in fact, she pretty much ignores the people for the Paris Rolifus in those first couple minutes of season two. And it's like, well, duh, the Paris Rolifus weighs seven tons and the kids weigh like 85 pounds at the most. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Yep, and when you're hunting, you got you're focused on that animal. Yeah. Uh, he also confirmed in uh, talking about season two that uh, it's Grim that gets shot by Tiff. Um, we don't. I'm pretty sure we don't get the kid's name. The Baryonics triplets. <laughs> uh, they don't give them names, but we know the toys have got names, and apparently it was Grim. We do get that throwaway line from I think it was. Sammy or Brooklyn? One of them said they named the Baryonyxes those names after the, a trio of burglars from that show they all watch. Oh, okay. But we never actually get, we never actually see which one is which, unlike the toys. Ah, uh, alrighty. I, I missed that bit. Our confirmation the animation in season two is identical. They'd, yes, they had, um, they'd been able to improve the process and that, but it was exactly the same. I had a discussion with you about how much some of this stuff looks like stop motion or just how good some of the, the dinosaur animations look. And seemingly, I, I, thought, I thought it was better than season one, but um, obviously it's the same. So I don't know. I I have to agree with you. It looked way better than season one. The animation is smoother. The details are way, way better. I mean, like some of those establishing shots of like the sunrises and the weather stuff it was just beautiful i mean the way that they lit the models the way that they detailed the models it was a i thought it was a huge huge jump in quality Hmm. and i actually like the quality from season one (laughs) it's yeah there's still some of the things like the the randomness of the jungle and that but i don't mind that if they're putting all their focus into the animals and making them look as good as they can i don't i don't care if we sort of just have our our generic jungle backgrounds and that some of the time and the grass and that 
And I mean, I was actually showing some of these stills that I had uh, screen capped to my mom. And she was a, she actually went to school for fashion art artistry. I'm not sure what the exact term is, but where, where they draw fashion models for magazine and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, she went in just as photography was taking over. Oh, no. <laughs> and went into accounting instead. But anyway, she was blown <laughs> away by some of, by by the quality and detail of these models I was showing her. I mean, I was just showing her random pictures that I had done with the um, HAP article from uh, for Dressopedia. And she was like, I gotta watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been binge- binging that with her the past couple of nights. Ah, nice. It has uh, it has been fun actually watching watching the show with someone else, not just sitting <laughs> sitting by myself watching it. You actually get to have a bit more of that experience and um, enjoy watching it. As you said before, there is a time jump when uh, Yasmina's sketching out the treehouse to when it's almost built. Um, they don't have an exact time, but they say it's about six to eight weeks. And uh, overall, the season covers about two months. Mm-hmm. We mentioned E750 before, um, it being in season two, uh, episode two of season one on Wu's computer. I always thought, sort of just looking at the shadow in there, it looks like, um, I don't even know if they're a real animal, but sort of like the leech with the little legs underneath, like a millipede sort of thing. I didn't even think dinosaur when I was saying it. I thought something completely <laughs> different. So, um, it's clearly we'll the Arlex. <laughs> well, I like the <laughs> a lot of um a lot of fan speculation now. They seem to be coming to the Gigantosaurus or Gig- how do you say it? Gig- <laughs> Giganotosaurus. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. Um, and that's because we've been told that this is supposed to tie into Dominion. Mm-hmm. More on that later, but um. I doubt it's the Giganotosaurus. I've seen people mention throwing out um, like Spinal Raptor and other wild <laughs> hybrids that I think people who are just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. <laughs> at this point, I firmly believe that whatever it is, they purposely designed that block of ice so that it did not look like anything definitive. I mean, mm-hmm. heck, even just looking at those spines. Uh, that we could see, I could almost say, like, Kentrosaurus or something like that. Yep. Which yep. It would just be a small, alternate stegosaur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The other thing, too, about if the, the guys that were on Nublar um, in Fallen Kingdom were so desperate to get a piece of the Indominus, why was this not a, not approached? I'd hope that they weren't the only team, and there's maybe some retconning where, in Season 1, we've seen what was going on while Jurassic World was happening in Maybe the end of season three or season four, we get. Uh, they weren't the only team there. The helicopter dropped off another team that were going to get this asset as well, and it just wasn't brought up in the film. Well, remember, in the first season, we did get that person land and use the drone to pick up data from, um, from Sammy. So, I don't think Manticorp is going to go away here. I think they're going to actually come back and be the main antagonist for the third season. <laughs> well, can we address the fact that drones can only fly for a couple of miles at best? <laughs> um, whoever's piloting that must be very close on a ship or or on the island already. I... Well, they were they were on the island and we saw that. Yeah. yeah. I thought so we were going to run into I think that's going to be interesting to see too, is how they resolve that. Yeah. 
Well, seeing the trailer, I assume that's who we ran into instead of Mitch and Tiff. Um, it was Manticore there trying to get stuff, but uh, no. But that'll get us into... Uh, oh, no, one last thing before we get there. The writers had seen fans' love of Baby Bumpy, and they had, them themselves had compared it to Grogu. But uh, new for the story, they wanted to tell uh, Bumpy needed to grow up, which, as we'll get there, Bump, no longer Bumpy, Spiky. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, got he, big. Is, he is no longer a cinnamon roll of uh, cuteness. He is a, he be, he or should I say she grows up to be a full fledged Ankylosaurus mm. very quickly, I might add. Yes, those those rapid growth hormones or uh, whatever she's been given uh, working pretty fast. So getting on to season two, uh, episode one, we're just going to briefly go through uh, the synopsis for each episode. We've got enough to discuss about the episodes. I'm not going to go for a deep dive. Uh, you can head over to jurassic-peter.com where articles for each episode are going up, much like season two. Beth and the Jurassic Park podcast had uh, full uh, podcasts covering each episode for season one, I'm sure, in the coming time. They'll do the same for season two as well, uh, if you want to deep dive into it. My notes here started very long for episode one and started dwindling and getting shorter and shorter as we went through as I realised what this show was going to be <laughs> and not what I was hoping it was going to be, but... Uh, <laughs> Again, just keeping that uh, that introduction, the Amblin logo, the the Jurassic World logo, and the Universal logo as well. Just I love it on the on the on the start of each episode, more so than uh, Rexy bunch, <laughs> bursting through the gates. <laughs> but uh, episode one, titled "A Beacon of Hope," uh, finds the kids in Main Street uh, trying to find a distress beacon to call for help. Straight off the bat. They didn't even have emergency bunkers, so why are there distress beacons <laughs> hidden on Main Street for uh, such emergencies? The weirder part is that they're, like you said, they're hidden. So, I mean, like, what good does a distress beacon do if you have to open up, like, a hundred fake trees to find it? <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, uh, in Season 1, we see that... Uh, oh, see, Episode 1, we see that uh, Rexy has been scavenging some of these hollow trees and making herself a nest in her old enclosure. It, which is kind of interesting because, I mean, it's not really brought up that she's pregnant or anything. It just seems to be that she's instinctually building herself a nest. Mm. Yeah, and we sort of get this shot at the start um, of just the Jurassic World without humans. We get to see the Optos side down G-Wagon. Uh, sitting out in the jungle, um, <laughs> the Brachiosaur and the Monorail and the uh, the Stegos, Stegosaurs in the redwoods, which was great to see, just walking mm -hmm. around. But as as we said before, they wanted the animals to be animals, and here she is. She's not out posing for uh, movie poster covers or anything else. She's she's building herself a nest. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In in the one place she well, it's, I suppose her being in Tyrannosaur Kingdom. That's where she's spent the last few years, so that's probably where she thinks or still calls home. Maybe yeah. still wait for those goats to come out of out of that door in the wall. But <laughs> and she didn't seem to wait very long because we see her hunting a T Rex. I mean, I'm sorry, a pair Parasaurolophus in the opening. So yeah, she yeah. got hungry and fast. And then I, <laughs> but I, like they, like you said, they treat the dinosaurs like they're just regular animals. The T Rex barely even pays the kids any attention half the time. You know? Yeah, and I wonder... Like, obviously she would have done this as well after the island was initially evacuated in 93, um, whether that area is now 
Starbucks. <laughs> she can't go back there or something, or just um, lost some memory of it, and now she's in this new location. But it does uh, does cause a problem for our young children as they're running around trying to find this beacon and realised uh, she's still there. Well, I mean, being, and we've discussed this before, that being a smaller island and a T-Rex, the apex predator, she has that whole island to herself now. So, I mean, like like you said, uh, Main Street has been her home for like the last almost 15 years. So that's probably where she's going to stick around to. That's her claimed immediate territory. Mm. But she can really go wherever she wants. And we do see her doing that. In a couple times in the season. Yeah. Like at the end where she's hunting in the, I think it's Gallimimus Valley or something. It's near the uh, watering hole that we see her hunting. Which she knows is a good source of food. She's been there and done mm-hmm. it before. There's the emphasis here in the episode too that there's no power. Uh, everything's turned off. We know later episodes we do get uh, other cryogenic um, stuff leaking out or refrigerant leaking out and chilling flowers, mm-hmm. but... Um, the emphasis is no power here. I, I know Lowry turned power down the control room before he left, but I'm guessing he powered down. I can't recall if we see the lights turn off in Main Street as well when he shuts all that off. But I can't recall if they do either, but I imagine that Lowry probably would have turned them off before they got off the island, regardless. Mm. You know, yeah. I mean, at the end of Jurassic World, there it seemed pretty much definitive. He was just shutting the entire park down in general, not just that one room. Yep. yep. I love how they, um, well, with the power, they um, looking, searching around for food and come across frozen pizza, which, okay, the refrigeration systems obviously are still working, but I love how... Uh, Unnecessarily. I mean, he... A, like, for example, a the way a refrigerator works is that it's sealed so that it to keep the cold in and the heat out. And if even if you have like a power outage, you can still keep your freezer. If you don't open that door, for the stuff inside will stay frozen for at least up to like 48 hours. So mm. I mean, it's perfectly logical they could have found frozen pizza. Yeah, and we did say this is only like the day after the evacuation, so. Mm-hmm. Um. But I do love how we get the copies come in here, sort of, they take the pizza for themselves and scary. we start to get them, yeah, we start to get them, get a bit scare, scary from, scary vibe from them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were real sweet when you had uh, people around to protect you, but now, <laughs> now when you don't have a pillowcase to stuff them in, suddenly, and they're sticking around together, it's not so fun anymore. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kenji's definitely growing me, I love him in a lot of these episodes, and um, the, 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 fo- the photos of Wu in his turtlenecks, <laughs> which was fantastic. All the Polaroids they had of him, of Wu. I do love, too, how they, um, uh, Darius finds the uh, the Jurassic World Discovery Walk, which just seems like, we've mentioned before, there's dinosaurs on the other side, and go out and see the dinosaurs. Why are you sitting here in this little Discovery Walk seeing plaques or holograms with the dinosaurs on them? But again, just building Main Street up to be um, a little bit more than what we've seen in the films. Yeah. And we get the return of the research sign here too as they're driving or moving along. But later we see the same sign for the dock. And it's got the same research <laughs> research bunker on it. So it seems like they're using the same signs across the uh, across the island. Yeah. Um, Probably even maybe even just reusing assets on the, for the animation, you know? Mm. Yeah, I, f- I found it odd that the, um, the emergency beacon was in the Jurassic Park font. But 
I think we um, we do have the font existing in world for some of the uh, like Gyrosphere and all that Gyrosphere station. A lot of the science mm-hmm. now are using that font in 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 um, in world. Well, um, we even had it in world in like the first movie too. Yeah, yeah. And I still find it weird they're playing a Jurassic Park theme for the end credits when this is supposed to be a Jurassic World um, <laughs> centric thing, but but uh, yeah, anything else on episode one? They get their hands on the beacon and send a um, send a call, but uh, we don't know if it gets answered. Well, it's weird because it gets received, which means which implies that somebody accepted the signal mm. and acknowledged that it is a signal. But then they're st- still there for twenty days, so it's like, did they, did the person whoever received the signal go looking for them, but they weren't at Main Street, so they just turned around and left. Well, when they just when we come across Mitch and Tiff later, they actually say yes, we got your signal. But then it's revealed later on when the the curtain drops on them that no, it wasn't them that received it. So yeah, there's still someone else that played it we haven't seen yet, and maybe uh, season three will look into that a little bit more. Yeah, maybe uh, what, what, Elliot Wu. <laughs> oh man, could you imagine if they brought him in? <laughs> Uh, episode 2, The Art of Chill. Uh, the kids split up to build a treehouse and search the nearby medical centre for supplies. I love how they still haven't made uh, Yasmina a crutch. She's still limping around. <laughs> a set of crutches or something for her to lean on and take the weight off that leg. Well, I mean, the um, the electric pole that they had was used to blow up Toro, so I don't think they ever actually went back for that. Mm, yeah, true. <laughs> With a lot of this episode spent around the uh, the old Camp Cretaceous site, um, we're back there to build uh, Camp Yenji, uh, Camp Kenji. We still don't know how the Indominus brought these tree houses down. <laughs> no. Them, them being no. so high off the ground. I mean, they were like way out of biting height. So I mean, it's like she either climbed a tree or she threw something at it. You know. Yeah, and we'd mentioned when we seen that concept art with the, the trees, the hollows, and maybe they weren't, some of these trees weren't real trees, they were just constructed to make it look like trees to have the accommodations and all that hanging on, but there's no there's no tree debris, there's only, there's only camp debris, so I don't think, unless we get someone having a nightmare in season, or episode, yeah, season three, we might not even get an answer on that, which is a shame. Speaking of nightmares, I love the... Uh mermaid dream that kenji keeps having and when and that first night they spend on main street he, he he's like in a half sleep state and he turns on the radio and goes mah, 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 mah. <laughs> oh. he has become my favorite character in the, in the series <laughs> interesting thing not that come up in that interview earlier we still don't know who his father is and why he knows so much about the island well, his father seems to just be wealthy, so probably plays golf with Simon Masrani or something. Yeah. Yeah, well, he knows a lot about the island, but... Hmm. Well, he said that his father owns a penthouse on the island, so presumably they use that as a frequent vacation spot. Yeah, yep. Yeah, and if he was a bored teen, he'd go around and get up to all sorts of mischief. <laughs> go, oh, no, yeah. oh, no, I would. <laughs> I mean, like, for example, my cousin and their parents have a vacation house in Florida, so they frequently 
in the summer and winter go just go down to Florida and spend time there, you know? Hmm. Um, but we get to the uh, the herbivore vet station, even though there's more than just the herbivores there, we get to see the uh, uh, couple of stegosaurs as the, uh, the, the, the ceratopsian. Oh, the uh, Nasutoceratops. That's the one, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I forgot it already. Um, it's there, and uh, we discover one of the baryonyx is locked up as well, and uh, obviously mm. when the island was evacuated... These animals were left behind in the cages, and we get uh, once again the trope in films: "Oh, it just wants to be free. Let's let it. Let's let it out, because <laughs> of course it won't try and eat us afterwards." <laughs> and of course, Darius, being all of us, let's not. Mm. <laughs> it's got teeth. <laughs> yeah, but I do that. The implication that they just left with all these animals in these cages kind of brings interesting implications for Sorna, like. When they evacuated Sorna, did some animals get left behind? I mean, as in the Lost World, where they're just—if they ever went to the to the lab compound and explored it, are they going to just find random cages with the uh, with with like the emaciated corpses of dinosaurs still laying inside them? Well, that's going back to Jurassic Park. For a lot of the uh, cages we see in the kennel, the doors were still closed. You imagine if there was. Yeah, if those bones or um, animal carcasses still in the cages, it'd be, it'd be pretty dark. Yeah, I mean, we saw that with the embryos floating in the in the tanks where they're mm. just rotted corpses uh, with wires attached to them. Yep. And before DPG and all that sort of stuff, we'd always wondered about the, the baby raptors in Jurassic Park as well, in those incubators, and they just stopped and left. Yeah. <laughs> um, how many other infants that were relying or animals in um, in general that mm-hmm. were relying on human uh, human interaction or human intervention to uh, keep them alive and all of a sudden those humans aren't there anymore as I mentioned earlier the, all these cages the animals are, are sort of stored in same infrastructure what we see in Fallen Kingdom with the, the staging area for Wheatley's team and that so that sort of confirms that it's all Jurassic World era stuff and not uh, Jurassic Park era mm-hmm. It's weird Yasmina just pulls a nice big crisp clean bit of paper out of a seemingly back pocket um, before she starts drawing the schematic of the treehouse. Uh, through the whole series, we see them go near rivers and waters, but they're always... I know kids are dirty, I have too. Can't you go for a swim and clean off? <laughs> Even after the uh, the time jump, they're still covered in mud and yeah, the animation models are just always dirty. Well, that, and, I mean, you can see that they've been taking showers, so, I mean, at some point, I would have probably used the clean water supply to have washed my clothes, you know? Mm. I mean, it doesn't need to be with soap, but, I mean, you can just, even if you just, like, take a rock and just kind of, like, knead the mud out of it, it's got to be better than just staying around in nasty, dirty clothes. Yeah, yep. I'm surprised they're all running around with wearing giant leaves. Jumanji style. Yeah, yep. Um, and of course, uh, at the end of the episode, we get the little reveal of the frozen flowers and some sort of humming noise that uh, the Brooklyn can hear, and uh, for some reason, no one else can hear either. <laughs> um, but that takes us straight into episode three, uh, the watering hole, which has the girls going out and search for those frozen flowers again, and the boys unblocking the stream. And uh, 
taken a cue out one of the Dinotopia novels here of walking up a, a dry creek bed, finding the uh, the blockage and removing it. So uh, mm-hmm. all the uh, communities along the river downstream can have water again. In this case, it's to uh, fill the watering hole for all the animals, herbivores and carnivores, which when we see the stream first up, I just assume that the power's off so there's no pumps <laughs> pumping water to, uh, to have the stream run. You know, that would have been a good novel reference because that was, remember, if you remember in the first novel, the waterfall was artificial. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Which I never quite understood because the stream they were writing on was entirely real. You know? Well, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the source of the stream. But they come down the stream and went over the waterfall, so it's part of the river system. So if that water stopped, then technically the river would have stopped. Mm hmm. Unless they dammed it. Well, we know there's a lake at the boathouse where they spend the night. Maybe there's a dam further up that they could. But that to have a river suddenly stop, <laughs> it, um, it takes time, especially when they're oh, sort yeah. of traveling downstream for a lot of time. Hmm. Anyway, that's a discussion to have <laughs> for another time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make that a Jurassic mystery. Yeah, yep. That's not how uh, rivers work. <laughs> Even yeah. man-made ones. But we get that rumbling sound in the background. I thought it was Mount um, Cebu making itself known, but we don't really get a, a explanation about what the sound is. We only get the frozen flowers and the the coldness is venting out from the tunnels underground. And we get a uh, a version two of Sarah and the Stegosaurs here with the uh, the Stegosaurs going after uh, the kids as well. No hollow log this time, though. I did surprising that in this entire season we didn't get kind of rumblings from Cebu. Yeah. In fact, there was a point where I was even convinced at one point that there was a shot we got at night where we could see smoke or steam or something starting to come out of it. Turns out it was not. It was not only not only was it a cloud that was just over the island. It was a reused shot from the first <laughs> season. <laughs> so oh, they man. are reusing uh, imagery here. There you go. <laughs> Episode 3 is also where we get the Ceratosaurus uh, make its appearance. Not quite like we've seen it before. Not as... A uh, lot muted colours, a lot more greys, not not as much vibrance with that red on its top. We get the genetic slab that's been cleared out. So obviously, uh, when the engine cleared out Wu, they obviously raided this lab as well to get most of the stuff out. It looks like they were very much in a hurry when they did it because there's just like pieces of amber just littering across the floor and random sheets of paper and even a cue card or a key card uh sitting in an envelope mm. just laying around yep yep which will uh check off's key card that will get some use yeah. out of later we get darius making his own field guide of course <laughs> something we'll do and uh... that is something that i kind of felt was interesting that is going on was Darius kind of becomes a kid Richard Levine from the Lost World novel. He's just sitting... He he doesn't even care that, as Kenji reminds him, everything's artificial, it's not real, it's not a natural environment. Darius doesn't care. He's still very ecstatic to study it anyway. <laughs> Everything he's seeing to him is real. Yep. Just like on the novel... Or just like in the Lost World, the novel... Richard Levine is studying these animals as if they were actually a, a real ecosystem, even though there's far too many predators on the island. 
the DX virus is screwing up all kinds of behaviors. And so it's presented as an artificial environment, but the characters don't care. They're happy enough to study it anyway. You know? Hmm. Yeah, something I wish we had more in the films. <laughs> or here, but um, it's good to see we're getting it here with Darius. Um, and uh, as of episode three, we don't have a conclusion about that hum or the freezing. Episode four, Salvation, after seeing Smoke and Distance, the group come across a pair of eco-tourists, seemingly unaware the park is closed. <laughs> uh, this is where things start to change. We need our antagonists for the uh, the series. And we got them here with Mitch and Tiff. I love how it's weird how um, the kids are running from the Stratosaurus we're saying at the end of the last episode, and uh, Yasmina's foot just suddenly gets better, and she can run away from the animal. <laughs> well, they did make uh, a splint for her for her foot, so she's able to put weight on it. Yeah. And it was just a sprain, so it's like it probably got it probably healed a lot in the last twenty days. Hmm. But we uh, we get Mitch and Tiff here. I found out that Mitch was dressed a lot like Grant, and um, maybe that was trying to throw him off that uh, he's a good guy and not uh, evil. Yeah. And I thought Hap sort of done his best Dieter Stark impression as well for, for a lot of it. But in real like, yes, they, they say they're tourists here, even if they are poachers, they've done well to survive this long on an island of predators. They're cooking bacon and eggs for breakfast. We, we go back to the whole Sarah saying how these animals can smell halfway across the <laughs> island. Well, I think it's funny some of the faces we actually see from the kids as they're eating breakfast. Some of them, I think, have actually gotten uh, some meme traction in the uh, Jurassic Park fandom. Well, then they mention they've got electric showers and heated toilets. (laughs) (laughs) Again, you're in the tropics, but just the the assets, the camp, all the stuff, all these... um, Oh, I thought I had it written down there. Yerkins, or whatever they call these tents... Yeah, they're all wood frame with canvas and massive benches to eat on. And poor Hap must have been carting this stuff through the jungle for weeks to set up. <laughs> Plus, we get that fair, that flare shot. I think it's them that fired a flare, but it's purple, not red, which isn't um, isn't right to attract the the Stratosaurus anyway. But I thought it looked red on my screen. Oh, okay, um... yeah, might might just be mine. Before the uh, before the turn to poachers, they did remind me a lot of the Kirby's. <laughs> I was getting a Kirby vibe from them. Yeah, I mean, but like I mean, like you said here, Hap does kind of look like a mix of just a rando action figure from the Lost World plus <laughs> Deeper Star. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of interesting because they do a Roland with him where they present him as a bad guy, but he actually kind of turns out to be a pretty decent person. Hmm. It, uh, you do have to ask the question, though, if he is um, trying to help him and that. The, he does come off rather villainous for the early part before it, uh, yeah. before the other shoe drops. But um, I mean, like I said, it's presented in that way where you're getting it from the kid's point of view where this guy, he's just kind of gruff and rough around the edges, but he actually turns out to be, as they would call, a hard ass with a heart of gold. Yeah, yep. Yep, and of course, uh, that's when Ben and Spikey... Oh, I'm going to keep on calling it Spikey. It's not Buffy anymore. <laughs> ben and Spikey saved the day um, by uh, knocking poor Hap across the head with a stick. Uh, stick, or was it the shock prod? He gets belled in the head anyway. It's just a stick. Yeah. 
Because I they know pick he's... up the shock prod after he comes too. Yeah, but it's kind of funny because I mean, as as I've seen some people call Ben, he's uh, at this point Benbo, <laughs> <laughs> Rambo Ben. <laughs> he's got the he's got the um, bandana and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, the mud that that takes us into episode five, titled "Brave," where we uh, take fire from the main story and witness the gripping trials of survival of Ben after his fall from the monorail. All the backstory, what happened there? He fell, he got picked up by a Trinodon and carried and fell. A little uh, JP free-ish there. I would have loved if he got dropped into a net into a nest, but no, he just got dropped onto the ground from a less less height. Getting tailed by Compies again. Compies making themselves <laughs> a threat. I was joking, he'd be better find himself a water truck to, to hide in, but uh, Bumpy saves him from a couple of occurrences with the compies. But then when he uh, he comes to, he looks down and faints again, so I don't know if he's got a dislocated ankle or what. Or maybe he's just seeing how dirty he is, because he was a bit of a clean freak, always uh, sanitising in that in the first season. I think that was actually the joke of it, yeah. <laughs> yep. We get to see Toro making a nest also. Mm-hmm. Which is weird, just that, that circle of rocks and bones of its nest, its building. And one criticism I did have for season one was the fact that Toro couldn't keep up with the kids running around in the underground <laughs> tunnels and that. Okay, maybe she's running on concrete and that, but here she is out in her, air quotes, natural environment, and she still can't stay on her feet. <laughs> she's still falling well, over. To be fair, I mean, she is an extra crispy chicken di- well, chicken source at this point. Yeah. She's probably in real pain right now. Yeah. Yeah, still suffering from that, the last run-in, which, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, no, I get that. Um... And you can even see that expressed with the animation where, I mean, we didn't really get a good look of it at the end of season one because... She was in the dark and in this haze and smoke, and she just kind of posed there and roared for a second before moving off. But in season two, we kind of get a real good look of the wound she's sporting, and she, like I said, has been extra crispy. (laughs) (laughs) The animation kind of reflects the fact that she's been burnt and the fact that she actually looks crispy. Mm. Yeah, well, she doesn't have much more time to suffer because uh ben as you said before goes benbo and uh goes after her with a spear and um kills <laughs> kills toro i'm not sure if she was actually killed i think she just kind of fell down that cliff and limped off again i think we'll see her again because she looked like she was recovering but again really hurt from the interaction one thing oh. i did like though was uh, as you say, Spiky. At this point, we can see when she confronts Toro, she slams her uh, club against the ground, which is something I always kind of thought would be something Ankylosaurus would do as a kind of threat display. Would be to slam their big heavy club against the ground and kind of and try to intimidate the mm. adversary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't recall in Jurassic World where we um, where we're about to get to now. After the minutes there, I think you know, they do swing around, and do their swings, but I don't think they strike the ground. No, they really didn't kind of have a confrontation. The Dominus just went in there and wrecked <laughs> shit up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. snapping necks, slicing legs, not taking prisoners. How do you feel about Ben rotting Toro like a bull? 
Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. ride this bull by the horns. Uh, enough said. Yeah, I, I don't recall seeing Tora actually get up, so I have to rewatch that scene now. I thought she was down and she stayed down, but if she limped away, then yes, she fights to fight, lives to fight another day. Um, yeah. But uh, we also get confirmation from Ben at the end of the episode that Mitch and Tiff are bad guys, which takes us into episode six, six misguided. Kenji, Ben, and Brooklyn go on a motorbike ride to well, with Hap and, as, and Darius. Uh, with Happers, Darius, Semi, and Yasmina discover a dark secret. Uh, so this is when we get the the reveal, the vehicle maintenance garage in the middle of the jungle with uh, that bike and the action departure from that <laughs> from that uh, maintenance building as the, it, it explodes and they fly through the air. I did like the slow mo. Uh, we get of Ben applying hand sanitizer <laughs> while he has the explosion going on in, in the background. Mm. I thought that there's a motorcycle there, but there's no. They're only using bicycle helmets for this and uh, other parts, obviously the bike as well, which was weird. And I'm surprised why we have this motorcycle. Like you said, it's kind of almost like a World War Two era motorcycle plus the sidecar, and it doesn't really make sense. So why would this random outpost have an antique motorcycle with a sidecar? That'd be something like, and I know that a lot of fans speculated that it was um, uh, Owen Owen's motorcycle when we first saw the trailer drop, but it turned out not to be. It's just a random motorcycle with a sidecar that doesn't really seem to belong there. No. No, no, something crowded for the action doesn't make a lot of sense, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. what we see of Main Street at the end too, where there's a lot of a lot of stuff there that wasn't there when uh, the fight happened. I mean, just thinking about it, a ATV would have made much more sense because we know that they're using them to get around the um, get around the island, or even that kind of golf cart gator type. Mm. Uh, uh, four-wheeler thing that we see got crashed outside the visitor, the old visitor center in Jurassic World, something yeah. like that. And any of those would have been completely applicable for what the, for the scenes that they used this for. Hmm. Yep, yeah, we know we know they're there, but no, they went down that path for some reason. Um, this is where we get the I've got dead Triceratops head blanket, so the Pseudoceratops head under the blanket too. When we learn what uh, Mitch and Tiff, yeah, yeah, when we learn what Mitch and Tiff's real intentions are, which is again a little bit dark, knowing that there's a head under there and the size of it too, that'd be a baby. Yeah. One interesting thing here too, uh, Mitch is saying he got a ACU tablet. He brought it off the internet, um, thinking the island network would be able to show him where all the animals were to hunt, but the network's down. A little bit of a callback to the Lost World novel where Levine's got the uh, in-gen computers. I was hoping to use them to find Site B. We also get the uh, confirmation here that Isla Nublar is under Ewing quarantine. The dinosaurs have been abandoned by Masrani, forgotten. So what we see in the start of Fallen Kingdom where no one's been to the island, Masrani's in damage control because of uh, Simon's death, which makes me wonder how they're policing that. If there's, <laughs> We've got a repeat of Sauna where we've got uh, Navy, in that, Navy boats patrolling the area of the Coast Guard. <laughs> I think at this point it is that's probably they 
entered it at night with no lights on, they probably would have um, made dock at the east dock that we see them at and then kind of quietly snuck into the island. That's why I always kind of thought they they were operating mostly at night, as we see later on in the movie, and then resting during the day so that they don't draw attention to themselves. Mm. Then again, they do let a campfire. <laughs> <laughs> so they're obviously not the smartest of people. Yeah. I do love, uh, after the, the vehicle garage explosion, we get um, them on the, the I think Brooklyn's driving the sidecar and uh, we'll lose the uh, baryonyx in the long grass. <laughs> uh, never mind. It was only a couple of feet deep. <laughs> did like that as a little Lost World uh, reference there where you're not supposed to go in the long grass, but they did and it didn't help him anyway. And this The next couple hours here that we have with these next couple episodes kind of bother me because... In a way, they almost make the island feel small because it feels like they're traversing miles of the island within, like, minutes. And it just shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah, definitely by that last episode there, um, Brooklyn's catching up to the others that have been out for a long time in vehicles. <laughs> um, I don't care how, how direct the tunnels are underground, there's still, still some uh, geolof- geographical issues there. But we get the um, don't shoot the stegosaurus and the uh, stegosaurus again being an animal and, and a herbivore being dangerous again comes at him and um, good little good little bit there. I did like the I'm not sure if anybody else caught it, but there was a King Kong 1933 reference in that scene. Oh, I remember you posting about that. Yeah, they frame it with uh, Mitch and Tiff pointing their weapons at the stegosaurus. The stegosaurus is. Position is flipped from the 1933 movie, but the framing and position of the uh, of the way the scene is set up is very similar. Mm. Yeah, again we've mentioned before, just these nice little callbacks that someone um, someone making this is fans of some of this stuff. Like uh, moving on to into uh, oh no, not yet. Um, we get. I think it's in the next episode seven where we get that uh, that shot you're talking about in the last minutes about um, Brooklyn in the Jeep and you can see that mountain range in the background. Yeah. We um. It does make me wonder why Hap's not riding the motorcycle instead of Brooklyn. He might be able to be a bit more capable, <laughs> but of course we've got to have his sacrifice. Uh, All that and as the kids repeatedly say, they don't trust. Yeah. Him. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um. So we get Hap dying. He bails over the side to uh, distract the baryonics while uh, the kids get away. We don't see a body. We hear like, we hear the snarls and we hear him yell, but that's about it. <laughs> Which yeah, I, I think it was definitely implied. Yeah, yeah. there. Yeah, you could you could say he survived if there's a crevice or something he was able to get into, or if they want the character to come back for season two, season three. But I think it's um it's implied he bites the dust there. And I love how they keep on bringing out this paper map and it's still showing the lagoon in the centre of the island. <laughs> uh, I know we rabbit on about that a lot, but uh, it's funny to see. Moving on this, into episode seven, step uh, one step, Brooklyn, Ben, Kenji and Yasmina discover a more realistic control room and Darius leads Mitch and Tiff to the main street. Uh, one thing I didn't mention about 
last episode is when Tiff's switch flips. <laughs> she after the they don't shoot the stegosaur, she gives me sort of Selena Kyle from Batman eighty nine vibes. Just she's not all there mentally. She's <laughs> she's one crazy crazy woman. Yeah, I mean you can even see her eyes like yeah. start twitching. <laughs> yep, yep, and the hair and uh, the kids don't uh, help that situation out as much here as they uh, get access to this control room, which, um, again, they find a refrigerated section of the uh, underground tunnels where um, we're supposedly we must be near the E750 door here, but um, we discussed a while ago about how uh, Colin went to... Uh, Universal Studios Florham was underwhelmed by the control room there of just being a room with a couple of dudes sitting in it, and here we <laughs> seem to have that as well for uh, some Main Street operations. Yeah, well, this almost seems to be like a backup control room that they'd have in case, like, they needed to have a bunker yet still run the park, you know? Yeah, yep. It's still not explained, too, if this is... They come to the door and they can hear the humming, but when we're inside, it's not. I wonder if that's just a generator running or something something underground that's making that sound. Yeah, that's what I think it is. I mean, it's like... Well, we also know that E750 is on ice, so I think that the hum is originating from the generators and air conditioners being used to freeze this block of ice, like kind of like an air conditioner hmm. that's running perpetually. Yeah. It's weird on the the, uh, the E750 door and the door for this control room, too. There's just a... Um, like a monorail sign, caution sign, which sort of just, just reusing the same imagery around the area, it looks like. But um, we get a push to close reference here from with Kenji, which is fantastic on the control panel too. He pumps pumps and up the primer he lever. he keeps pushing and closing. <laughs> well, the, I don't know what he's doing. He, he pushes the button and everything comes on. Then he just sits there and keeps on pushing the button. And of course, I don't somehow... Think he knows what he's doing. No, but that causes the uh, the short with the uh, the cryo tank and obviously lets the E750 whatever it is out, which is, we just wonder why um, this this power button's causing that. But it's just weird that he keeps on pressing it, um, and why that button's connected to the tank. Well, I think it's connected to the breaker, which when he keeps pressing it, he means he's keep sending jolts to the breaker, which is what causes it to over. Yeah. To overexert itself and short out. Yep. Like if you like went into your breaker box at home and just kept flipping the main power switch back and forth, eventually <laughs> something's gonna break. Well, there goes the computers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Or light bulbs or refrigerator or something, you know. Yep. It's um it's interesting here too by turning that main park power on. Not only does it um well him pushing the button disable the uh, the cryo tank but also seems to start up the island Wi-Fi network again because Mitch's tablet lights up and all of a sudden they get a aerial view of where this um, fabled lagoon is with all the animals mm-hmm. we get uh, the T-Rex on Main Street again with some great camera shots and this is what you were talking about before and some of the photos you uh, posted up of the Trenosaur, um stalking, stalking them on Main Street it's also weird how Main Street, whenever they're coming or going from Main Street, they see them just run off to the side and all of a sudden they're in the jungle. When we know how big the Mosasaur Lagoon that is and we don't really see any of that in Season 2. We, that was more so just when the park was running. 
Well, I mean, we we get that comment comment in the first episode that the Mosasaurus <laughs> been snacking on the Indominus. Yeah. So. Yep. We we don't see the corpse, but allegedly from the reactions, I assume there's blood and guts and floating around. Yeah. Yep. Stump and start to float. Um, yeah. We also get the uh, the new shot of the uh, Tyrannosaur hologram in front of the Innovation Center as well, which is a little bit of an upgrade for what we see in the film. But it uh, it keeps Rexy occupied for a little while. <laughs> well, it seems like from what this is is that it was a um, it was like a party light section. Like they probably would have had special presentations outside the um, the innovation center where they'd be able to draw a larger crowd, similar to what Disney does. And this this and probably other holograms would have been uh, part of that. You know. Mm. Yeah, well, we we mentioned before the the promotional poster that had the Raptor on the Explorer. You had the the Innovation Center with that beam of light going into the sky. Concept mm-hmm. art showing that beam of light in the sky. We get it here in in the episode as well, where when they power up Main Street, we get that that beam of light going up into the sky. It's the tropics. You're gonna have after after dinner, after sunset parties, and that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, why? What better way of uh, doing that than having a big uh, a big holographic T-Rex or any other animal yeah. there as well. But I think it's also interesting that, and I've been seeing people mention this, that the T-Rex has learned to work around the handicap of not being able to see things that are moving by relying on her other senses, like touch and smell. And, for example, back on Main Street, they fooled the T-Rex by using the cardboard cutout of... Uh, of Brooklyn, <laughs> and she still, even though it's not moving, she still stomps on it. She doesn't recognize. She recognizes that this still figure is human shaped and thus a living creature. But she, even though she doesn't realize that it's not actually a cardboard cutout, My... but then she does the same thing again with the hologram. She's sniffing at it and looking at it, and she's realizing that through study that it's not actually there she's at first she's very fooled she's roaring <laughs> back at it she's trying she's like she's trying to pick a fight with it roar but off then she's realizing that this hologram isn't actually reacting to her and thus not actually there mm-hmm. you know yeah the only problem with that that scene uh, from season episode one is the fact that we have brooklyn standing there we cut to the trinosaur which is already charging at that point, and then we cut back to Brooklyn, and it's the standee. If that cutout's not moving, the rest is going to go after the thing that is moving, which is Brooklyn running off, running off to the side. But um, well, I I actually figured that out. That's she's not actually standing there near the cardboard cutout. She's standing out at a different part of Main Street, out of line of out of the line of sight of the T Rex, and speaking into uh, and using the recording she took earlier to speak into those set, a set of the walkie-talkies so that it sounds like she's speaking, uh, but okay. she's not actually in the line of sight of the T-Rex at all. Uh, okay. I just put it down to Lego... <laughs> Legos. Um, sort of those little jokes there that don't make a lot of sense, but it, it does have some uh, backing to it. Um, the final episode, episode eight, Chaos Theory. Uh, the survivors fight to protect their island's animals from the poachers. 
we did get the introduction earlier of the lagoon. Um, I think Kenji and Darius are there uh, drinking water and the the theory that uh, it doesn't matter what you are, herbivore, predator, human, if uh, it's a water source, mm-hmm. you can all sit there and drink from it without uh, yeah. being in danger from each other. And of course, it's the one place the hunters want to go to because they just free-for-all, just shoot everything to save them, obviously. They want to save the animals by shooting them and preserving their uh, trophies for future future times, future <laughs> future black market sales. <laughs> I was going to say, this seemed more like a personal pleasure kind of thing than a museum kind of thing. Like, it, like many of the specimens in the Field Museum had been personally hunted by the curators of that museum through the past many years. But eventually we realized, they realized that, hey, going out in the wild and shooting animals is not really the best way to preserve, to conserve them. Mm. So they started doing other conservation methods like breeding programs, educating the locals and why they can't poison lions and stuff like that. Yep. But yeah, speaking of predators, the there's been numerous instances in this season of piles of carnivores just kind of cute. We saw, <laughs> I think, like episode three, two or three. I think it was episode three. We saw at the beginning where Darius is drawing some sketches of a pile of sleeping compies, and then we get the Baryonyx trio sleeping in a pile together. It's like actually kind of cute. And I think that they're using that as a way to kind of pull at the heartstrings when Tiff actually, we actually see, not on screen, but we see a character kill a dinosaur with a gun. Mm. Yeah, one of those biggest things we discussed over the entire franchise, all these humans running around with guns and no one actually getting a shot off or getting a shot and uh, a kill shot. But uh, here, Tiff, she grabs that rifle and she shoots, uh, shoots Grim, killing him. Mm-hmm. And she does it so nonchalantly too. I mean, she's just like, "Yeah, that made me feel good." Okay, <laughs> we'll come back for it. <laughs> we got kids to shoot. Yeah, <laughs> we go hunting, hunting kids. One thing I did have a problem with though was when they come to the fence and uh, Darius tricks her to, to grab onto it, and she gets electrocuted when those types of fences aren't electric fences. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, but um, surprised they didn't show a, uh, or they didn't show him throwing a stick at it. <laughs> well, the fact you can see the bars there bolted to the concrete base, it's mm. obvious that it's not electrified. But yeah, anyway, we get the uh, gyrosphere just sitting in a warehouse, and Brooklyn leaving the control room to run to it to uh, to back up Darius and that. When we mentioned before about the geography, how she can get there, get that, and get caught up to him in seemingly no time we get the uh the gyrosphere chase they obviously can't uh shoot at them through the glass yet because they uh they haven't deteriorated as much as they do in fallen kingdom but um it's weird that the gyrosphere is going so fast here when we know it's only good for about 20 miles uh, 20 miles an hour like we mentioned in i the... know I'm, and that's like even free free uh speed because they you're only supposed to go like five or so aren't they yeah yeah, well, we know in um, even when uh, the boys are in it, in amongst the herbivores, Zach uh, Gray, no, Zach pushes the stick all the way forward, and it just sort of 
mm, just hums a little bit and goes a little bit faster. There's no way it's doing 40 miles an hour. <laughs> I do love how uh, Darius has the gun and just throws it away after Mitch uh, Tiff gets knocked over. And then she just picks it up and shoots and points it back at him again. <laughs> and tells him if you want to uh, if you want to throw a gun away, throw it further. <laughs> Good little bit of humour there. I think it's implied the uh, the snare trap that Mitch gets stuck in is one they all already set up, but I don't know why you'd be setting snare traps if you're just going to go around and hunt and shoot the, uh, well, the big like animals. Well, it's like they also set them up at random and then forgot where they left them, which is like a rule numero uno of hunting. Remember where you left your traps. Well, especially since it's going to be his downfall. He, <laughs> it's the end of Mitch, or so we think. The Tyrannosaur comes up and... He's, he is at a very convenient biting height. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, we we see her sniffing at Mitch, and then the next thing we see is a broken, tattered rope end. So, yeah, he bye could, bye Mitch. He could have had a knife a knife and cut himself free, but I don't, I'm don't. i pretty sure it's implied that that's uh, his uh, dino food, and the fact that uh, Tiff leaves him there to die is, again, she's <laughs> just how wacko she's going at the moment. She's losing she the plot. Is... She is stone cold. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's when we get to the uh, the dock. Tiff thinks she's getting away in the boat and starts gloating about it. <laughs> and uh, the boat runs up on some rocks. I would have liked to see uh, water start going into it because now that boat's just sitting there, presumably, um, with Tiff's corpse on it, but uh, it might play a, play a point in... Uh, Season three, now that the boy, now that um, Darius and that are keen to no longer wait for the adults to save them, they're going to save themselves. Um, yep. But the uh, the other two Baronics jump on and take care of Tiff. Again, it off screen. It seemed to me like it was kind of implied that as it left the harbor, it bumped into some rocks and scraped scraped the hull and sank eventually. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was driving too when Tiff's dead, so it could be just. Heading out to sea with no one, no one in control. That would be go ship. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Raptors. That'd be one Five hell years of later, we're gonna hear it's the Raptors. Watch. Oh. Raptors on the uh, on the hunter's boat. <laughs> well, hopefully the Baryonics got off. Otherwise, they're up for a long sail out to sea as well. <laughs> well, Baryonics can swim, so I mean they're they're a semi-aquatic species. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, but uh, of course we get that ending with the uh, E five seven E seven fifty room uh, supply. The power's off; it's melting, and we get to hear something screech or scream, roar. Mm-hmm. Um, something has come out of that tank and is alive and uh, setting itself up to be a big bad for season three. Well, we can also see like compies and other creatures starting to nibble on the wires, so. It looks like the power is out for good now. Yeah, well, that's... Yeah, the comp is... Again, we get this little shot of uh, animals taking over. Uh, the comp is eating those wires, and that shuts off the uh, Trenosaur hologram, finally, because it's just been sitting there roaring the whole time, and uh, all the lights as well. But that's uh, that's Camp Cretaceous Season 2. We knew it was, spent to, it was meant to lead into Dominion, what exactly that means, we're not going to know until we get to Dominion, of course, but uh, it, um, it's interesting. I was expecting more. Some of the stuff we speculated about what Season 2 might have been didn't come, didn't come. but 
anything anything else on season two? I liked it a lot. I thought that it was great to see poachers going after dinosaurs on Nublar, which is something I've speculated about and hope to see from a Jurassic World film for a while now. So I was very satisfied with this season. Hmm. Yeah, it's. I think one it, since we're getting a time jump, I I would have liked to see something with the councillors on the main street. Why? Oh, on the, on the mainland. Why has no one returned? These kids are all supposed, or most of these kids belong to wealthy parents. I don't see them just sitting back and being told their kids are dead or or anything yeah, like that. Kind of, that was kind of my main gripe with this too. Was that it's been almost a month at this point, at the point of the end of the season. Why are there no parents looking for them? Why are there no like, I mean, we, it's like they've just been left here. And we know that somebody got received that signal, so I think that's going to tie into the third season. But still, it's... Why? Yeah. It, seem, it seems like they're taking way too long of a time to get these kids off this island. And when you accidentally leave somebody behind, the sooner you can get back to them, the better. Yeah, especially in this time frame. It, it's Even... Kenji's father being rich and having the resources whether it's and especially if the UN having the island restricted it doesn't have to be Masrani approved or a Masrani or engine operation just go in there and get them get your own team and, and head in because at, at this point it's been here yeah, up to 8 weeks and we have no idea what the outside world knows or thinks about mm-hmm. Nublar and the kids on it but, I mean yeah if Kenji's dad has that much sway with the park. You would think that there'd be somebody uh, doing like a kind of grid search over the island, you know? Mm. I suppose there wouldn't be any. If the power had been off, they probably had already attempted communications with the island and obviously got no signal. Well, I mean, you would think that Lowry was there to turn the power off. You'd think that that'd be in some kind of official report. Hmm. Which I suppose that too, why... Well, the kids might not know where the control room is, but surely Kenji might know where it is. Why why the control room, why that command tower or command building hasn't made an appearance yet? Um, especially with the fact that it's got the helipad on the roof. If anyone was coming, you'd think that'd be the place to hide out. The Trenosaur can't... Yes, it can walk up on the helipad, but it can't get inside the building. Mm-hmm. If you're going to hunker down... I mean, they couldn't get into anything because A, they didn't have the key card, they didn't have the key card, the power was out, so none of the doors are going to work. You know? It looked like the only thing they had in that lab was emergency lighting, so yeah, yeah. that may have been... That may They may have had power only enough to the point where it allows you to turn things back on, because I mean, like, if anybody's who had to turn a car on with a dead battery, you know that you have to jump it. It has to have some kind of electrical source to turn on, period. I know that with like a lot of people out of work that people's batteries have had to be jumped. They've just been sitting around for so long that the bat- that the wiring is starting to corrode and because the car's not moving, they have they the battery just starts to not be functional anymore. Mm. Yeah, and so I good. presume that the emergency power they have is there to provide 
a sor- a power sor- source to, in effect, jump the p- jump start the power hmm. if it's ever a necessity. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, all the emergency lighting would run on backups uh, on battery anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. But um, I suppose, and I mentioned too, just the lack of no original park <laughs> park <laughs> assets. Uh, I would have loved to see something something else from that, but we well, can't. I uh, imagine. I mean, people like to discount the deleted scenes, but to me, I mean, they're entirely canon unless something on screen explicitly defies them. Like, for example, when Ludlow says that they cleaned up the park, I imagine they really cleaned up the park, except for, like, a few basic things, evidently the visitor center being one of them, you know? All right, let's tangent. <laughs> um, <laughs> on, on Facebook this morning when I woke up, someone had posted on there, uh, like TNT over there, I was watching The Lost World there, and it had the Mubasa scene back in there again and we'd start discussing how yes the, a lot of the uh, broadcast companies have that uh, unedited version of lost world with the boardroom scene and that sort of stuff unless unless it seems to be with canon being added to the films nowadays unless it contradicts something that comes before it's okay to say yep that's canon uh, prime example is that telltale jurassic park game Yes, having Sorkin in her lab doesn't contradict anything else on the island, but it adds whole new issues. Um, the labs, the research, all that stuff InGen was doing on Sauna, there's no reason why you'd have research labs and that on Nublar for Jurassic Park when that's just the theme park. The whole... the whole, And this this come up to in posts about, well, what about the rest of the, 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 the five deaths, InGen, animals migrating, that sort of stuff on the other islands. Sauna's big. There could be a lagoon on uh, on sauna with a with a underwater lab there that we haven't seen yet but you could introduce it into the franchise and it makes sense just with how big sauna is we don't need to keep on changing locations just to uh just to have a, a marine marine area to show where the, uh, the mosasaur or plesiosaurs or anything were created but it sparks some good discussion anyway <laughs> yeah i mean just with like the um for example, Sorkin's lab that we get, I have really no problem with that just because, I mean, we know that they were doing some level of R&D on Nublar anyway. We also know that they were doing, um, that they were doing limited cloning on Nublar because we can see them. The, the genetics lab is functioning. It's yeah. just not the production floor. It's It's a functioning lab, but it's not the main lab, you know? Yeah. So I imagine that they'd give somebody like Sorkin her own private facility on site where Hammond could keep an eye on her and Wu could keep an eye on her because she was kind of a dangerous person and you don't want dangerous people to be given a lab on an island like Isla Sorna (laughs) where they can easily hide. Yeah. Yep. That's when the Frankenstein stuff really begins. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting because we kind of get those implications from that weird birthday Eddie guy on, oh. from the first season. He's like, Wu's over here building monsters, and we first thought he was talking about the Indominus, but we know now he was not talking just about the Indominus. Hmm. Yes, so many more secrets to be revealed. <laughs> yes. Um... All right, Dave, that's an epic record. Big one for uh, Camp Cretaceous and uh, the news. 
as I said earlier, uh, February is normally Toy Fair month, so we might get some more toy news to come out and discuss for February. Uh, before that, though, next week we are back to discuss or start discussing Jurassic World again with Minute 52 uh, and the build-up to the uh, major major set piece at the middle of the film, which is the uh, Dryosphere and the Indominus uh, takedown. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll be back for that. In the meantime, head over to dressdashpeter.com for uh, articles on Camp Cretaceous Season 2, all the episode run-throughs, the new characters, and a lot more on there. And uh, until next week, stay Jurassic. All right.